For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cherry's World is brought to you by Less Is More Events. Get in line. So, Kate, so, Courtney, the reason why him and his wife and I even really know each other, her name is Tangerine. Uh-huh. And my name is Cherry. Nice. We're a great combination. Where does that happen? Right. Right. <laughs> That is one of the, I l- I've always loved your name because it's so different. You always meet Cherries or girls who call themselves Cherry, but your name is Cherry. My name is Cherry. And that's, you know, that's how we met, right? Long time ago. What? That the names? Because her name is Tangerine. Oh, that's hilarious. And we sat there laughing, I know, because we had never met, you know, another fruit. All right, so this one had to be part of the show, bro. But so when you first met her, did you ever like, or maybe this is just corny shit that I that I would have done or have done. Is you, is you say stuff like, do you taste like your name or stuff like that? I would never say anything corny like that. Plus, she's okay. heard everything. You know okay. what I mean? Like, the name, like, just like Cherry and Tangerine, they've heard every fruit joke, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or come online. So, no, I just stuck to, I was just shocked that was really her name. Like, that's your real name? Like, that's not like a nickname? She's like, that's yeah, that's probably, my name. And that's probably why you married to her and not, and not the bozos that try to <laughs> right. holler at her. <laughs> right. All them dumb motherfuckers trying to make jokes. You <laughs> Since the sixth grade has been telling me, ooh, I want to pop that cherry. Mm. And they know. still say it. I'm like, I'm 44. You're hella late. <laughs> You're hella late. Missed out. Missed out. I got a whole baby. <laughs> a whole baby. A whole baby. <laughs> Welcome to Cherry's World. Hello, 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 Cherry's World. Today we got an exciting show for you. My boy, Mr. Clayton Thomas, is in the house. He is a a writer, a comedian. He has written on shows like Family Time, Modern Family, Wildin' Out, Love That Girl, that's right. All that laughter was due to Mr. Clayton's writing himself. He is also a comedian and a director, and he is lighting the IG up with his comedy skits. Without further ado, let's welcome my boy, Mr. Clayton Thomas. This is Cherry's World. Making Memories Sell Series. It's a sale that allows families and people in our communities in any city, state, or showtime to attend a series of events, 
at a lower price than most, such as like the Trolls Live, Disney on Ice, the Universal Soul Circus, concerts, sports, and more. Contact Less Is More Events at 202-930-3533. Again, that's 202-930-3533. Visit the website, getlimetickets.com. They're on social media, Facebook, IG, Twitter, Less Is More Events. Get out and lime! Hey, if you're listening to Cherry's World Podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, please give us a five star. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review. I want to hear from you. Thank you. Would you like to advertise on Cherry's World and have your product placed on Cherry's social media for the world to see? Email us now at cherriesworldpodcast at gmail.com for low introductory rates. Cherry's World Podcast. Get heard. Welcome to Cherry's World. This is like the sea show. Yeah, really, it is. I want to throw up the sea, but I don't want nobody to think I'm a crib. That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> So I'm just going to hop right into it. Clayton, we have a lot of people in this world who are interested in writing. I'm going to go to writing first because everybody sees your face. We know you're an actor, whoa, whoa, whoa. But we don't really get a lot of writers on the show. Okay. Okay, so how did you get started writing? So interestingly enough, I have always written, but I didn't know how to get into it professionally like most people don't. Um, in a sense of getting paid the thousands of dollars writers get paid. So for me, um, I had all of these ideas and concepts, but I did not know how to make them come to fruition. It's like they're just sitting in a basement or sitting on my computer. And uh, the first time that I was able to get into writing was I had a manager at the time, and he told me that they were doing auditions for Mike Epps was doing a sketch show. And uh, that sketch show would later be called Mike Epps Funny Business. And anyway. Uh, so I went to audition for the show as an actor. And as I finished my audition, the, uh, the executive producer was like, Hey man, um, we, we like you for the own camera, but would you also be interested in writing? And I'm like, Hey man, I just want to be on camera, dude. Like I write separately, but I don't want to not get to be on camera. And he, excuse me, he was like, yo, when you look at a living color, when you look at, um, Matt TV, these are shows where they have ensemble casts that also write their own ideas for sketches. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, in that case. So we ended up doing it. It was supposed to go to Comedy Central. It didn't work out that way. But while I was down there, I had written so many sketches and I had so many ideas for TV shows that it came easier for me to do it in that avenue because I had made my mind up at that time. I'm like, all right, I might not get an opportunity as a writer, so let me just focus on acting. And it brought it back to become writing. So the show didn't get picked up, and the producers from that show ended up hiring me for another uh, show the following year where I was writing on. And then, uh, but I still didn't really have the bearings of being a real writer, right? So Tangerine and I are dating this time, and she was working on the show with Bentley Kyle Evans at the time called The Rib. This was a pilot. And um, I came down to the set to meet him. 
And uh, she's like, hey, Bentley, this is Clayton Thomas. He's a comedian. He's a writer. And he's like, oh, okay, nice to meet you, man. And I can feel that energy of, you know, when you meet somebody that you're working with boyfriend or girlfriend, it's kind of like, oh, hey, how you doing? That's what's up. Keep doing your thing. And I'm like, look, I know what this looks like, fam, but I truly am a writer. Like, I'm dope. And he's like, okay, yeah, man, uh, you know, I'll keep an eye out for you, right? <clears throat> a year and a half goes by. Now the show, uh, the show The Rev didn't get picked up. So now they're doing a show called Family Time, Tangerine's on that. So, you know, as her boyfriend at the time, we go to the premiere and uh, I go to Bentley Cobbins and say, hey, man, I want to be a writer. Because at this point, acting for me at that time had dried up because I didn't really know the business at all. Didn't have an agent, didn't even really know how to professionally represent myself as an actor other than saying, hey, I'm an actor. So, uh, but being a writer, I'm like, yo, I have these scripts. I worked on this show, worked on that show. What's up? And he's like, well, we don't have a traditional writer's room, but what you could do is, um, I don't know, you know, show me one of your scripts. And I was like, I'll do one better than that. I'll write an episode of Family Time. And he was like, all right. And the way he said, all right, didn't sit well with me. And I was like, I'll write four episodes of Family Time and I'll send it to you Friday morning by noon. It was Tuesday at the time, by the way. So uh, I went home after that party and I wrote four scripts and I got done with my last script at 11.57 that Friday morning and I sent it to Bentley. And he's like, yo man, I don't care what happens. I'm rocking with you because you just wrote four scripts in under a week. That shows the dedication that you really wanted. So from that point, Stacey Evans Morgan, which is his sister and also amazing director and writer, um, saw my scripts and she allowed me to come in and pitch ideas for a show that they were doing called Love That Girl. And I came in and I was able to learn how to uh, truly write. Like what I was doing was just writing amazing concepts and ideas, but the format was trash. So they taught me how to format. They taught me how to truly be a writer in Hollywood and what that means and how to do it. So that's realistically how I became a writer. If it wasn't for Billy Kyle Evans and Stacey Evans Morgan and Tangerine, I would not be a writer at all. Wait a minute. Before you did those shows, didn't you write for Wild and Out as well? Well, here's the thing. Well, I was on Wild and Out with shout out to Niall Evans, which is, <laughs> he's also an executive producer and a writer but, and uh, Bentley and Stacy's nephew, but I was a consultant on that. And when you're a consultant on that, basically what you're doing is you're writing game concepts because the show is improv. So I can't write what DC Young Fly or um, Doughboy is gonna say on the show, but I can say, hey, here's a game. Let's do this game, Black Jeopardy. Let's do this game. Can I holler? Like those types of things. So it wasn't really, writing in the traditional sense it was more so creating games for them to improv case the truth go ahead uh, uh, <laughs> so let me ask you this and i only uh -huh. been around like hollywood but <laughs> they always told me hey just come in shut up you know be quiet and you took the initiative to actually like, show up somewhere with your wife and actually try to make a job get a job out of it uh how was that perceived by everybody you know, trying to do um, You know what's event. interesting, man? It was for me, especially, uh, I've never been one to come in and just shut up if I feel I can make something better or learn something. Um, but I always approach everything and everybody with as much respect as I can. And I've always been inquisitive. So my thing was, 
I came in like, look, fam, I don't know anything. Can you help me learn everything? So when you come from a place of that humility and you're actually trying to soak up the information that somebody has to give, I think that's received better than if I would have come in and been like, hey, I want to learn to do this. Tell me to do that. Tell me to do that. And then becomes a sense where people can feel slighted or people can feel disrespected. So I think uh, also the the family of the Evans family, Bentley, Stacy, and Niall, they have so much humility and they have so much love and they want to help so many people that it's a different environment that um, welcomes you to ask questions and to say, hey, how can I do this? Or do you know what I should do here? And they're really cool about it compared to other writers' rooms that I've been in. I did learn that where I show up and I'm like, hey guys, uh, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, hey, we don't do that. Like, you got to basically uh, shut up and wait your time. And so, being through Bentley and Stacy and them, I didn't like other writers' rooms because I'm like, okay, I have more credits than every everybody in here. Why am I going to be disrespected just because that's the typical writer's way? So, um, I think I just got blessed to be in a great environment early on to where it helped me anticipate what the next rooms were gonna be like. And also, Courtney, just so you know, Clayton is a mover and a shaker. He's not really gonna wait on nobody else. For <laughs> no. Nothing for him. You can't. Clayton used to have a club. Okay. <laughs> and that's really how I know Clayton. Yeah. Clayton is one of them people who can convince you to do shit that you may not have been really interested. I, I don't really go out. I'm a homebody, right? Yeah. But I was, yeah. where I was I was done, you know, with the clubs and stuff. Clayton was like, look, I don't care. I need you to do me a favor. You come get something to eat and come laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I showed up at Clayton's comedy club one time, got me a drink, got me some food. Ended up laughing, and that was my table. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best. It's like that was I was doing a show called The Extravaganza. It was comedy, poetry, and music at the Comedy Union. And the first moment Cherry came in, I was so my smile hit my ear because I'm like, "Yo, you're here! You're here!" And you I was told so me I was coming. I was, but you know, everybody be like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll be there." And like, you actually showed up and you stayed. You weren't on no Hollywood BS. You were so cool and nice to everybody. It was an honor. And uh, I used to love doing that show. And yeah, it was a good time. It was a great time. I was in there laughing and crying and boogers, like real laughing. <laughs> and it felt like coming home to your family. You know mm. how you got that one cousin that ain't got no sense and you only really showing up to the family get together to see that cousin? Yeah. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> But he's extremely talented at putting those kind of shows and stuff together. And I just like, I've been gone for a while and had a whole baby and everything. Uh -huh. As I've had a baby, I'm sitting back and I'm a fan. Like in a whole <laughs> way, like my boy them really took off. I got to ask Instagram, yo. Oh I yeah. What Instagram was, okay? Courtney really? Really got me working on this Instagram. Yeah. I'm, I don't really know, but I look up yeah. and Clayton got like all these sketches and like 20 million followers and <laughs> That's hilarious. 
how did you make an avenue out of like some social media or something? I don't know. I'm laying, put me up on game. <clears throat> so interesting, interesting to say that. It's like, I, I think at the time of me doing Instagram, we're looking at 2017, right? So at that time, the whole year 2016, I had been going out and trying to pitch television shows. Tangerine and I, she co-exec, and I, you know, she has her ideas, I have mine. We're sitting in these different pitch meetings. I'm pitching them all these ideas for great TV shows. I'm telling them, I'm on this TV show. She does this. We can do this. This is what the show's about. And every single one of the pitch meetings said this. This is an amazing idea. Are you sure that you want to star in it? And three, ah, since you want to star in it, if you had X amount of followers, this would be an open and shut conversation. You could immediately have a TV show. But since you don't, we got to, you know, try and get somebody who does in these ideas that you have. So I'm like, oh, man. So what I did was from that point, I said, okay, I'm feeling stagnant in my career because, you know, acting is always up and down, um, yeah. depending on what type they're looking at for that season. And then I'm like, I want to do my own thing, my own TV shows, but they're not allowing me. How can I get around this? And then Instagram came about because a comedian, uh, Jahan Jones, was doing sketches. I ran into him, and he had been asking me for years, come get on some uh, Instagram stuff. Come do Facebook sketches, all this. And I was like, ah, because I was thinking about, I'm an actor, fam. I, <laughs> I'm in homes every week. I shan't not be doing sketches for the internet, right? Yeah. And, uh, he respected it, and I was so stupid, and I'm going to tell you why. <clears throat> so I started doing the internet content. As I'm doing the internet content, I'm noticing that I'm reaching more people online than my TV show was, right? So when you look at television shows as a whole, these days, if a TV show gets five or six million views, it's like a week. It's a hit show. Okay, um, we're not talking about the 90s before the internet came where it was like, you might get 20 or 50 minutes. Like nowadays, there are so many TV shows. Sorry, ah, yeah. there we go. There are so many TV shows. If you get uh, anywhere from five to seven million views a week for your episode, it's a hit TV show. The first six months of me doing sketches and content for Instagram, I was reaching, I think 11 million people a week with my content, right? And this is just Instagram. So with Instagram, I was doing better numbers than my TV show, my favorite TV show, which was like The Flash at the time. And I'm like, okay, how can I transition this into money, right? Because followers is one thing, but you definitely want the revenue. So 2016 goes by, I mean, 2017 goes by, uh, the middle of 2018, Instagram changes algorithms to where it was harder for you to get the same views that you were getting before. Yeah. So what I did was I ran into a friend of mine, um, Big John, who's literally, I can't even say my friend, he's like my brother. Like all of these people that I've known for years had decided to make the jump over to YouTube and create content. And he says, hey man, you need to come to YouTube. I say, what? I'm over here on the ground, baby. It's good on the ground. They love me on the ground. He's like, nah come to YouTube, you can do longer content and uh, the revenue from your ad shares. And I'm like, ad shares? Like, I'm so oblivious to this. So he tells me about it. I start doing content for YouTube. And within a month, 
just off of YouTube. Within a month, I had made $10,000 off of the content that I was doing on Instagram for free, right? So I'm like, uh, this is the wave, right? Because I know there were so many more people that were more successful than me. And I knew that it was all a consistency game and that what I had been taught as an actor by other actors was to look down on doing internet content because, yeah. you know, you do a TV show or a movie, but internet content, I start looking at these internet guys and I'm like, there are people who don't know who they are, but they are millionaires and they have a fan base that will follow them off of a clip. And once I began doing YouTube, I started also doing Facebook and things have changed dramatically from the sense of uh, a financial standpoint, having your fan base, having the power of the numbers to where now, Instead of going back, because I know everybody who's, who's watching is probably like, all right, great. Did you go back and have those meetings with the people who told you when you get your numbers up? No. And I'm going to tell you why. The conversation changes once you have your numbers. So beforehand, let's say you don't have any numbers and they're like, oh, if you had X amount of followers, we could just do the TV show outright. Now that you have X amount of followers, what you have is power. You've been used to doing things your own way. So for example, with you guys a show right now, if somebody came in and was like, hey, we'll give you $400,000 an episode for you to produce this as is, except you can't say certain words, you can't have certain guests on, you have to dress a certain way, uh, you also have to mention this sponsor and that sponsor. At first, you might be like, oh, that sounds great, let's do it. But then you'd be like, ah, this is my thing. This is yeah. how it has to go because this is how it's gained me success. So that's what began happening with my content. I became an owner rather than just an employee. So being an owner, you own your content. And when you own your content, you get a chance to say how it goes. So now I'm having conversations like, all right, when I produce this show, I'm willing to give up maybe 10 or 15% of this show, but I'm not willing to make all the concessions to make this a television show on somebody's network. I'd rather license it than for uh, me to have a full-on partner because a partner changes everything. I so that's a long answer to tell you how I got into Instagram. I love uh, that. And uh, you said, I'm sorry, Courtney, but I love that you said they tell you who you can't have on this show. So Luther Campbell's coming on after you. Uh, <laughs> nice. I'm still stuck at the 400,000 uh, per episode because I was thinking like, where do I sign up? <laughs> like, uh, I'm like, I can create somewhere else. Let me get this check over here. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Shit. No, I kind of feel, I feel you, Clayton. Yeah. Because I want to do stuff that I want to do, how I want to yeah. do it. I mean, but if you got $400,000, Courtney going to leave me, so. <laughs> no, 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 no. 400000 an episode, though? Is that are, th are those real numbers or are you just like? Here's the thing, man. Realistically, and it goes to whatever your reach is, whatever your actual engagement is, your deal doesn't have to mirror anybody else's deal. For example, um, we've all seen... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny nowadays I see this I'll see like fake um, you know accounts that have fake followers or something yeah. and this was big and I think 2015 I think they people bought followers and then uh, Instagram did a sweep right and they got all those robots out but around that time I remember seeing a comedian that I knew he was bragging about how many followers he had <clears throat> and uh, which is never something to brag about because there's always somebody with more followers than you but he was like yeah you know 
I got uh, 80,000 people following me. And I'm like, oh, okay. And when you go to his page, you can see that this isn't real. Like, um, <laughs> 80,000 followers and you're active on your page, your posts should get that engagement of 80,000 people, right? Meaning a percentage of that. So 80,000 people means that you should get no less than 8,000 views on any video you post, right? <laughs> he was getting like 200 views. And I'm like, bro, these are fake followers, man. You don't have to lie Aww. to get it, fam. So it would be like a lot of that stuff. But anyway, depending on your engagement and depending on the deal that you set up, your deal could be as lucrative or as non-lucrative as you want it to be to maintain ownership. And that's another thing that I love about getting into the internet is it's allowed me to become more of a business than um, than before. Before I was so ignorant to everything because I didn't know anything. And now it's a different conversation when we're talking about creating projects. It's no longer, like you remember, oh, this is, you know what? You've been famous a long time, Cherry, so you might not remember this, but do you know when people hit you like, hey, uh, I'm, I want you to do this project for exposure? And you like, yes. Expo I don't do nothing for exposure, bro. <laughs> I'm exposed already. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's the different conversation of, hey, do this for exposure. And hey, if I do this, this is what it's going to get you just off of the people who watch me that are going to watch this is that kind of thing. So it's like, it's a different conversation. Yeah, I, they've never come at me right with that conversation because I'm all. Hey, I got some exposure for you, Jerry. <laughs> I never wanted to be famous, brother. It doesn't pay my light bill. Yeah, right. <laughs> you kind of touched on this already, but how is it? Because I, I know a lot of people, they look down on coming from, real, you know, real writing and real producing uh -huh. and then just coming on Instagram or social media and just doing one minute videos. Well, I mean, I guess yeah. you could do longer now. And a lot of people look down. They're like, man, they're not even putting no real work in their craft. Mm -hmm. Were you one of those? Types? Obviously, you're not because, you know, you were able to make the adjustments and everything. But how do you feel about people that, you know, are constantly looking down on social media comedians versus? I'll say this, man, um, because there are a lot of comedians who just do. Well, I can't call them comedians. There are a lot of people on social media that do their version of comedy. And, um, you know, whether I enjoy it or not, comedy as a whole is subjective. You know, there's not gonna be anybody that likes everything. Like there are people who love Dave Chappelle and hate Mike Epps. And there are people who love Mike Epps and don't like Chappelle. So it's all uh, subjective. However, the looking down on, I used to be one of those people that's like, oh man, the internet guy, I ain't doing that, man. I'm on real TV, right? And I think everything is a point of not knowing. Like I said in the beginning, I did not know the internet world. I only knew television. Um, and everybody on the internet is trying to get to TV. Whereas if you realize your power, I always tell so many people that I come in contact with who do internet content, the internet is far more powerful than television. And you have to think of it like this. When you look at The Tonight Show, when you look at uh, Jimmy Kimmel, at the end of all of their uh, sets and commercials, they say, hey guys, follow us on YouTube, like us on Facebook. These are internet sites. If television was as powerful as they're trying to make it, then they would be telling you, just watch us on TV. Everybody's trying to send you to the internet. So mm -hmm. for me, I know internet is power. And beyond that, 
uh, I try not to look at anybody. I don't like looking down at anybody's projects because just because it's not my cup of tea doesn't mean that millions of people won't like it and there's not value in it. But I think to each his own because everything we are is the experiences that we've been through. So maybe somebody's experience has been, they've been told if you do anything on the internet, we're going to blackball you or whatever. But I've seen far too many of my coworkers, I'll say, uh, do internet content and go on to do mega films and big TV shows and still do the internet. And I've also seen people who are on hit television shows come and do content for the internet. So I think the walls are down more so nowadays than they used to be in the beginning. And um, yeah, I think it's just a great avenue to have an internet presence to where your fans can talk to you. Like my fans know if they DM me right now, there is a 95% chance I'm going to respond back compared to uh, in the the Jefferson's era, if I see Fred Sanford, <laughs> I got to try and mail a letter and hope that somebody read it. You know what I mean? Clayton, that's how we got this interview. I DM'd him. Yeah. And he DM'd me back. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you something. When you see Cherry Johnson DM you, you just don't respond immediately, no matter what. You're, oh, well, hold on a minute. What's, okay. Try to tell them. Ooh, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, not true. Obama still ain't wrote me. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he doesn't run his own social media, Cherry. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Now, I hate, okay, I started off with the whole uh, writer journey. Uh-huh. Take us on the journey of an actor. Are you from California? No, I'm from Detroit. Yeah. So, what up, though? <laughs> Coming out here, yeah, what up, though, right? Coming out here was uh, was interesting because I had done stand-up for uh, about two and a half years before I came to L.A. I started literally my senior year in high school, right before I graduated. I was on stage, and then I went to college. I was there for, like, a month, and all I could focus on was writing jokes. So, fast forward, I'm 20, about to be 21, and I had been sneaking into comedy clubs in Detroit. Like, I had to... I had to act like I was older or have somebody vouch for me to get in the club. And I said, okay, I can't do that in LA because I don't know anybody in LA. I want to move to LA. This is where I've always wanted to be. I told my mom, I said, listen, on my 21st birthday, I'm going to Chicago, I'm going to New York, and I'm going to Atlanta to perform stand-up so I can save money so I can move to LA. And she was like, okay. Like all we've ever been about in my family was have a plan. If you don't have anything else, have a plan, right? Plans change, but have one to actually start from. So my 21st birthday comes, my mother gives me a birthday card and in it is a gift card for a thousand dollars. And she said, don't go to those other places, go straight to LA and follow your dreams. Right. I'm like, wow. So I choke up at the time. Like, I can't believe you believe in me enough to, you know, send me with a thousand dollars to, you know, go to LA. And she said, here's the caveat. How long do you think it will take you to get on TV? And I'm like, oh, mama, you know, I'll be on TV in six months. She's like, oh, okay, great. So buy you a ticket to return in six months. Because if you're not on TV in six months, you have to come back home. And I'm like, oh, done. Right? That's for sure. <laughs> so I come. But before I come out here, she's like, you got somewhere to stay? You got somewhere to work? I'm like, yeah, I got all of that. I had none of that. I didn't know. I knew two people. And one of those people, I said, hey, man, can I keep my suitcases at your crib and just sleep on the couch for like a week? He's like, yeah. And that week became a month. And what I would do was I went and got a gym membership so I could take showers at the gym. So I didn't overstay my welcome at his crib. So I would come in super late from the comedy club and leave super early before anybody woke up. 
and uh, you know, just be gone all day. So fast forward uh, six months to the date, and I'm looking like, man, I'm gonna have to go back home. Like I went to all these cattle call auditions, you know, not really knowing how to succeed other than be on stage. So uh, I go to the Comedy Union, and this is another full circle moment. I go to the Comedy Union, this is like December 18th uh, of 2007. And the, the owner, Ann Mitchell says, hey man, I think you're very funny. And I think you have what it takes. And um, we're doing a TV show called The Funny Spot on TV One. Would you be interested in doing a set? And I'm like, yeah, but when does it film? And he's like, it films on the 21st. Interestingly enough, it filmed on the 21st. My return ticket to come back to Detroit was the 23rd of that December. So I called my mom after I got off stage. And I say, Ma, uh, I'm coming home for Christmas, but I'm coming back to L.A. because I booked a TV show. And she said, all right, you maintained your end of the deal. And here we are some, what, 13 years later, I'm still out here working. So uh, it worked out. Wow. Yeah. I like that, man. Because, like, you know, I'm grow I grew up and my whole thing, like, my mom was, you know, single. I don't know what your situation My mom was single mother. And her whole, her whole thing was, like, you can't go to jail. I'm from Chicago. Like, you can't go to jail. So from the, uh, she, like, you got to get the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Got to get a job. I've been working since I was 14. Uh, you got to get Ooh. a job. And you got to, the other thing, you got to get out of here. <laughs> so you got to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's just the way she made me. She's like, you got to be a man. So so, so I, I like to hear stories like that of, you know, of mothers. Yeah, my mom, parents. man, she was that. She was a single mother. She worked two jobs to support me, man, and my sister. And um, she was a social worker. So okay. she's dealing with juvenile delinquents every day and when she would come home and tell me you're not going to be a statistic you're not going to be in somebody's jail you're not going to be in somebody's prison you're not going to be out here selling drugs taking drugs you're about to stay in this house you're going to go to college she wanted me to be a doctor and i'm like look i hear everything else but i ain't gonna be no doctor i am going to be a comedian and she was like jokes because you know when you don't see you don't know anybody who's doing what you dream of doing it's hard to make that a reality like the reason there are so many people that criticize children for wanting to be athletes but if it's all that they see that are successful that's right. all they have to reach for so yeah. for me in detroit i didn't see any comedians until i was an adult i didn't see any actors in detroit all i saw were drug dealers teachers doctors lawyers and i'm like that's dope but i have to be the one that breaks out of this and does it so I can do this for somebody else. And um, yeah, so I mean, I'm right there with you along with that, man. My mom, it, that's what was such a shocker because she knew that I was like, look, I'm gonna take a break from college for a year. And she was like, you going back? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going back. Even though I knew I wasn't going back. But all of these things led to her believing, man. Her saying, you know what? I'm gonna take a chance on you. If you believe in yourself this much, there has to be something to it. So right. fast forward, man, I'm just so thankful to have a mother that actually believed. I think that's so awesome. I'm sorry, all three of us were raised by single moms. Yeah, oh, that's dope. Yeah, I'm I, sorry, I, wanna, I, I just want to follow up on that. Uh, how, how far did that $1,000 go for you in LA? That oh, was... brother, you got to think about this. So the $1,000 really became... 600 after that round trip ticket that I had to buy, oh. right? So I got $600 and then I come out to LA 
And I think I had a, somebody gave me a hundred dollars like before I left, like, Hey man, good luck. So I'm out in LA with $700 and the first two nights bring me down to about $530. Cause I had to get a hotel room the first night and then the second night. And then I was like, all right, I need to figure something out cause I can't burn through this money. Right. So when I'm going to go get that gym membership, they told me for the year, it would have been like $300. And I was like, okay, what can I put down today? And they were like, well, you can give us $60 today. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. Gave them $60, never paid again. I was, this is before <laughs> you go to a gym and use your thumbprint. Oh, to yeah. Check in. Oh, yeah. Like, I this know was, about you just slide in, right? Sneak in. So yeah. I would just sneak in. I tried to get cool with the people at the front desk so they didn't ask to see my membership and find it out. Uh, but that $600 lasted me, it lasted me about, Four, four or five months because during that time, that's when I started performing at the comedy union and the other comedy clubs and I was getting paid and then I would sell my DVDs after the show. So that money went up, but it, it definitely lasted me. And I was also, let me tell you something, this is the broke trick that if it all go bad, I know I can feed myself for $20 a week. And this is what you spend it on. I had a foreman grill. You get a pack of chicken thighs from Ralph's, which okay. was uh, $7.99. Okay. I would get cereal, the dollar cereal, and then I would get um, I would get the almond milk or rice milk, which would cost me like $3. So that left me, I had like $9 left. With that $9, a weekly uh, train slash bus pass was $7 at that time. This is 2007 through 2000 nine then the price went up and i had a car after that luckily but mm -hmm. i fed myself for twenty dollars a week like i could guarantee i was gonna make twenty dollars i had my bus pass taken care of i had my dvds to sell so i could pay the rent and i had food taken care of if i got too hungry i wasn't supposed to eat no more that's how i looked at it Man. so i knew how very to survive on twenty dollars a week very you responsible really means they even talk about a budget man hey that's all. And let me tell you something. That $20 felt like I had $300 because I was like, oh, thank God, $20. You know what I mean? Okay. So explain to people now, now that you're doing a little bit better, you can actually spend more than $20 a week. Do you yeah. still on a budget? Here's the funny thing. I don't, but I should. Like, I save a lot of money. Um, that's why, like, you know, unfortunately, during this time where everybody's not able to work, um, I still have saved a lot of my money. However, I I blow a lot of money on like food. Like I'd be like, oh, let's do DoorDash and Postmates today. Oh, I spent a hundred dollars. Oh, and I'm like, oh, I'm tripping. Yeah. But I do budget for things that I want. Like I don't just blow it, just blow it. I think the most the most I spend my money on is probably food. Like I just love whatever I want to eat at that time. I just want to eat it. I can understand that. Most of my money goes to food too, but it goes yeah. to like Sam's Club and Costco. I don't really nice. eat that. But you're a parent. Yeah. You got to think, I ain't got no kids. I'm only responsible for me. Yeah. Like she going to eat because I'm eating, but it's like, I don't have to take care of nobody but us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, you know, when I was, when I, I wouldn't say I was broke, but when I ain't had no money for just for foolish spending or maybe even tricking off, what I would do yeah. was, uh, go to the drive-through now you know they got two uh -huh. windows right so i would yeah. skip the ordering menu where you <laughs> order at and just go to the pickup and take whatever they deliver like yeah i ordered that and boom and drive right off i did like that six times. yeah man 
So that's pretty genius. Do that, on some stealing shit. That's pretty yeah. genius. <laughs> but don't even go there. Like <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, man. I used to do all that, man. Clayton, can you do me a favor? I know that there's some little boy out there in Detroit right now who is watching this show and he's like, I could do that. Mm. What, would you, what would you tell that little boy? I would tell a little boy to literally make a plan. Say, what do I want to do? See yourself as how you want to be. For me, I saw Martin Lawrence and that was it. I'm like, yo, I'm going to be on TV in a sitcom I'm going to do comedy on TV, stand-up comedy. I'm going, and at this time, this is what I was thinking as a kid. I said, I'm going to have all the girls. I'm going to have all the money. I'm going to look fly, and everybody going to love me. Like, I had all of these things in my head. And as life went on, I continued to keep those things in my head. And although it curves, like, you're like, all right, cool. All right, I got my lady. I got a little bit of money. Um, I have a little bit of popularity. Now what do I want to do? Then it became, okay, great. Now I want my own everything. It became, I want my own show. I want to produce that. I want to produce this. I want to perform with this person. So if I was still a little boy, I would tell him to dream as big as you can and go after it because there is no dream too big because it can all happen. I still want to be a Power Ranger. <laughs> Let him on, but I still want to be one. <laughs> That is not something I expected to hear you say. Oh, I do. Yeah. I want to ask you because there's another man that's coming on later. Uh-huh. We're going to talk about relationships a little bit. Uh-huh. LA is like the hardest place in the world to find a real, true companion, much yeah. less one. Okay? Yeah. So when you met her, how did you know that she was the one? Or when did you know that she was the one? Here's the thing. When we first met, we were friends. I was still flirting with her because I was trying to smash because she was, you know, cold. I'm like, hey, what up? And she yeah. was letting me know that, yo, we ain't going to be smashing. I'm like, oh, we going to smash. I'll wait it out. I That's always been something about me that she could tell you. I Once I make my mind up that something is going to happen, I pursue it. Like, I just create that scenario in my head and I make sure that I achieve every goal I can. Some goals you don't get, but you find out why you did not get them or did you really want that? But with her, I was like, nah, I'm going to get you. And she would laugh at me. And she was like, you're not going to get me. I'm like, I'm going to get you. And she was like, okay. <laughs> Fast forward, um, we had worked on a radio show together. We were on Foxhall Radio, Jamie Foxx's station with Speedy. And then that ended. And um, she called me one day and she was like, yo, I think you're really funny. I am about to do this other radio show. Is paying this amount of money. And I'm like, you had me at paying this amount of money, right? So we started doing a show and she got a chance to see a different side of me from what she says. She was like, yo, I got a chance to really hear you speak, hear your thoughts and see how you truly are and what your goals are. And I didn't get that opportunity on Foxhole. And uh, she was just telling me she was attracted to me now. And I'm like, what have you been waiting on? I've been telling you that I'm a cold motherfucker. What the fuck, right? So we're laughing. And for me, there was one day, <clears throat> um, my car, I was driving a horrible car. I had no money. I had a, a 1995 Honda Accord LS, right? And my antifreeze was leaking. Like, I found out I needed antifreeze because my radiator was, something was tripping. And I called her. I said, hey, do me a favor. Can you pick up some antifreeze before the show, and I'll just pay you when I get there? And she's like, yeah, I got you. And I was like, 
shocked because I had made two calls before her to girls that I was kicking it with, and each of them were like, oh, I can't do it. I ain't, I ain't got it like that. And I'm like, damn. So I get to the radio spot, and uh, she gives me an antifreeze, and she hands me the receipt, and it was $17. And I was like, I thought antifreeze was like $5 or something, right? So <laughs> I was still living damn near $20 a week, so I'm like, Whew. but I didn't let on to this to her. And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I was like, no, 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 let me give you your money. She's like, no, it's all good. And I was like, it's all good. So what that showed me in that time was this wasn't a woman, number one, that was tripping off $20. Number two, she was somebody that was a giving person. Like She was like, yo, you're going through something. I know if I was going through something, I want somebody to be able to help me and not you know, be nickel and diamond about this or that. And it also showed me that I could count on her. So I saw all of these things in one moment and it showed me maybe there's more than just her body and her face that I should be trying to get to know. And from that moment on, she, there was no competition. She was better than every woman I'd ever dated or been with. And uh, she was the one woman that yes. didn't try and change me. You know what I mean? Like she, what'd you say? She is though. Your wife is bad. Yeah, she's, she's doing her thing. And she didn't try and change me. She allowed me to be who I am, she only tried to enhance me and never really tried to constrain or construct negatively or restrain who I am in every sense of the word. Like, just only try and make me better. So that's how I knew. And I had to get her off the streets immediately on the single side. I'm like, nah, you can't be out here for some other brother to take you off the streets. Nah, I got it. That is beautiful. Where are you guys? I want to reach out to her and see if she'll do the show one day, too, because I think... Oh, I'm sure she would love it. When I found out that you two were together, yeah. I can't even explain the smile on my face because you've uh, always been genuine, sweet, nice. One of the only men I can say, when you meet most black men, most of them are going to hit on you, right? Oh, yeah. Not Clayton. Clayton was, you know, I want you to do me a favor. Just come to my show left. Come. That's all he ever said to me. And he was always sweet. He was always a gentleman. And he was like a gentle giant. And so when Thank I saw you. him with my girl, I was like, oh, I, I am her ultimate fan. Mm. Like, if I was a teenage girl, I would have her posters on my wall. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love me some tangerine. So, yeah, your wife is beautiful, man. Real talk. Thank you, man. Yeah. I told you I was texting him a picture. I wasn't playing. Let, let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this, though, bro. This 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 man-to-man. Cherry, you might want to uh -huh. mute this. This man-to-man -man talk right here. Now, you said you wanted to smash her from the beginning, right? So yeah. if she would have let you smash right away, do you think you would still be here like you are no. right now? Yeah, no, okay. because Typical. for me, man, and I'll throw another level onto it for you. For me, I'd always been somebody, like I said, I, you just gonna come in with the chimes? Just <laughs> whole interview. You see me? That sounded beautiful. Yeah, anyway. Uh, she deserves an entrance, Cherry, man. <laughs> Cherry Johnson. She says hi. My baby, Cherry? Yeah, all right. Uh, all right, now, go, go on in the room now. Hi. All right, now, let me tell you, to finish answering the question, I had uh, been, you know, any woman that I had, because I met in my early 20s, like, when you're a man in your early 20s, all you're doing is sex. Like, you're having sex with every woman you possibly can. Um, and it is just, it came easy. And you're an entertainer, and, you know, 
I'm a nice guy, and there aren't a lot of nice guys in LA. So it's like when you speak to a woman, right? I'm walking away. When you speak to a woman in LA, they're so used to a certain type of guy. So when you're the opposite of that, they're more so like, oh wow, you're different. So if she would have had sex with me, then it wouldn't have been a relationship because here's the caveat. This is the cherry on top. She, when we became, like, when we start dating, dating, she was celibate. She was like, yo, excuse me, I'm celibate. I'm not having sex for at least 100 days. And I'm like, uh, why? And she was like, you know, if you really want to get to know me, get to know me without the sex. And she would create these dates. Like, she's like, yo, let's go here. Let's write down all the things that you want to do. And let's go do them. Like, let's go skating. Let's go to the beach. Let's go bowling. All of these dates. And uh, throughout all of that, we just had a chance to just have fun and get to know each other. So after that 100 days, man, we, we got it in. And here's the funny thing about us getting in the first time. First time wasn't even good. Now, that second time was fire. But that first time, because all the anticipation that I had been having for years prior, it was like, uh, but that second time, it went down. I don't think we want details, Clint. I I do. I like stuff. I like hearing stuff. Hey, but I tell you what, the key to a man's heart, if you want to win them, don't give them none right away. Make them get to know you. You hear that, ladies? Hold out. Clayton, tell yeah. everybody who is watching and who is listening where they can find you. So you can find me, if you go straight to the website, you can find it all. I am ClaytonThomas.com. You can find the Facebook, the Instagram, the YouTube. Uh, get yourself some clothes. I got stuff for men, women, and children, believe it or not. Oh, so what? yeah. I'm gonna go check that out. Clayton, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me, yo. It's been an honor and a pleasure, always. Come back and put in a good word. See if we can get the wife on the uh, on the show one. I'm a, when she come back in with these loud ass wind chimes, I'm definitely gonna tell her that she needs to be here. <laughs> she had Thank a heavenly you. entrance. That was awesome. <laughs> right. I'm telling you, if you watch that lady walking around, you hear them chimes all the time. <laughs> I see. <Wow. laughs> no. Thank you guys. Thanks, Thank man. you, Clayton. I really appreciate you. Welcome to Cherry's World. Brought to you by Less Is More Events. Get Lime. 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 When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.